Luke chapter 19. Good to have guests with us tonight. Good to have Michaela with us, staying a few days, visiting from Hickory, North Carolina. And she brought Aspen and Hattie along, and Charlie's going to join us, I think, sometime. So good to have them. Good to have Amber with us today. Amber Howard, met her yesterday from Fort Wayne, Indiana, visiting with us. And it's good to have Jill with us from West Virginia. And it's a surprise to see her tonight. Michael is in Nicaragua on a mission trip. And so, uh, welcome. Good to see her. He'll be joining her in a few days. I was in Virginia, Jill, a week or two, a couple of weeks ago. But one of the men that's in that church there in Virginia is from West Virginia. As a matter of fact, several people in the church are from West Virginia. But this was the guy that I'm thinking of that we've known him for years. This was his boast of his county in West Virginia. He said there's 55 counties in West Virginia. And he said our county is the only county in the state that doesn't have a traffic light. Imagine that, an entire county without a traffic light. So that's West Virginia. So anyway, good to have you. Good to have the Mitchells with us. Spoke to them for services. We've seen each other a few times over the years. They were reminding me, the last time they were here, I had this, I was sporting this black eye because Alana had headbutted me. So we know exactly when that happened and she's hiding her face right up here. They have daughters, had daughters in uh, Ogden, Utah, and I was there once and met some of them. So it's just good to have, good to have visitors from all over tonight. Good to have you with us tonight. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 11, and I would invite you to stand with us if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. For those of you who are over in the other building this morning in the children's churches, uh, we continued our journey uh, through the book of Revelation this morning, and we dealt with Revelation chapter 20 in the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is such an important event that will happen in the future. And in that, we brought out this text. I'm just kind of reviewing for our benefit that we're here and kind of updating those who were not here. You know, we talked about who will be reigning in the thousand year, the literal 1,000 year reign of Christ on this earth. And there's scriptures where Jesus made it clear that Old Testament saints will be reigning with him for that thousand years. And Jesus told the apostles that they would be reigning uh, during that period of time. And we saw clearly in the text we were in where uh, tribulation saints, those that would be saved during the tribulation period will be reigning during that time. But I must confess that the group that I am most interested in that will be reigning during that era, that group would be us, the New Testament believers. And what can we know? What does the Bible say about our opportunity to qualify to serve the Lord? We're interested in that. If I'm going to be around for a thousand years, I, you, know, you have to really work at making that, 
that figure possible in your mind where we think 70, 80, 90 years old, you know, is about the lifetime that we could expect to have. A thousand years. If I want to be here, I want to know how I can fit in. So we're going to look at a text tonight that talks about that. Verse 11 of, of Luke chapter 19. We'll begin with this. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he, Jesus, was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. So these followers thought that Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, he was going to set up his kingdom. They believed that. They thought it would immediately appear. So that's the purpose for him giving this parable. Verse 12, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He's telling them this parable, this story. Let's really follow the, the narrative. A certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he, this nobleman, called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Stay busy till I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, when he came back, having received the kingdom, when he came back as king, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And we'll stop there for now. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word. And as we've already asked, we ask again that you would bless your word to our lives. And God, we want to come with open hearts and minds. and We want to take the position of disciples as learners, as students that you would teach us through the Word of God, and that, Father, we'd not be misled, deceived, distracted, Lord, from our purpose in life, but, Lord, we could fulfill your will for our lives individually and corporately. We pray that for all of us in this room. We pray tonight, if there are those within us, with our congregation, those who have assembled here that are not saved, we pray, O oh God, that the Spirit of the Lord would bring conviction illumination, speak to hearts, draw people to yourself. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we see that this parable is about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. The kingdom, uh, in verse 11, it was a, it, the whole purpose, Luke gives us this whole purpose of Jesus giving this parable was because he was near Jerusalem. We said this a moment ago. And they thought the kingdom of God would appear now. They, they just felt like it would appear immediately. And so Jesus tells a story 
a parable to, to speak to that very subject. And in this parable, there's a nobleman, a man who is of means, and he went to a far country. He went away. And he went away to receive a kingdom. He'll be authorized. He'll become a king and he'll come back. He's going to be gone for a time, but before leaving, what he did was he gave, this nobleman gave his assets, he distributed, the word there is for money, really, he distributed it to his servants. He calls them servants. I think it's an important thing to note. Verse 13, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And what were they to do? The Bible says they were to occupy until he come. Now, what does that mean to occupy? We use the word occupy like you're actually occupying space right now in the chair where you're sitting. But the word occupy there is not to just be idle. The word occupy means to busy yourself. The word occupy means that you're about the business that you've been given to do. It means to trade. He's going to rebuke one of these people. We'll see it in a moment who took his talent and did nothing with it. He just put, hid it away in a napkin. And he's going to be sorely rebuked for that because he said, I told you to occupy. Occupy is to carry on the business. And every one of his servants, don't miss this, he had ten servants. Every one of his servants were to occupy until he comes. And so this is a parable Jesus taught about him setting up his kingdom. That's what the millennial reign is, the kingdom of Christ. And because in these these people who followed him were well aware of the responsibility, the role, the identity, the occupation of the Messiah. We talked about this this morning in Isaiah chapter 9 and other places that when he came, the Messiah would be a king. The Jews knew he would be a king. They were expecting him to set up a kingdom. And we look at Jesus sometimes not as a king but as a savior, but it's the same Lord and he is, he is going to set up a kingdom. And so they thought he would set up the kingdom now and he's telling them, no, I'm going to go away. But when I come back, and when he comes back, he's going to set up his kingdom. But, he's, but before he left, he gave every one of his servants a talent. And he says, when I come back, I'm going to see what you've done with it. What have you done with what I gave you to do. And occupy, I love that language, the last part of verse 13, occupy till I come. So we see here a nobleman and we see his servants. But there's another group of people that we see in verse 14 and those are called his citizens. If you'll look at that again, please. His citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. You know, when he, when he is gone away, when this nobleman is gone away, these citizens send a message to him and say, just to let you know, we don't want you to reign over us. We will not have this man to reign over us. And uh, that's a serious thing, isn't it? These are his citizens. These are different than the servants. The servants have all been given a job to do, but these are citizens who refuse to have him reign over them. We'll come back to them in a moment. Now, if you look in verse 15 where we read, it talks about when he returns. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, 
that he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by his trading, by trading. And so when the nobleman gets back, he come back. He didn't come back just as a nobleman. He came back as a king. And that's how Jesus is going to come back. Unlike anything this world could ever identify with Jesus being, he's going to come back as a king. And it says he called his servants, and, he, and for, for every one of those servants, he demanded an accounting. And that's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. He's going to expect an accounting of his servants. What have you done since I've been gone? He left 2,000 years ago, right? He ascended into heaven. And he said, I'm going to come again. And he's coming again. He could come today, but he's going to come again. And one of the things he's going to do is after the tribulation period, he's going to set up his kingdom. And he says, going to demand of these people, what did you do with what I gave you. In verse 16, if you look there, please, it says, Then came the first man, stepped forward, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Every time I read about that, I think about, <laughs> I think about wait, I think about the, we were just, every time my wife take a trip, we realize we could have quit taking these trips. We come back and we've gained ten pounds. But anyway, that's not what he's talking about there. It's talking about, I took what you gave me. I took the one pound you gave me and I gained 10 pounds. And so this first servant is reporting to this king about what he's done. And the king, the king commended him. Verse 17 is where we finished reading earlier. Let's read it again. And he said unto him, this is what the king said. Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful... In a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Now, it should be obvious that when he says you're going to have authority over cities, he's not just rewarding him with money, he's rewarding him with position in the kingdom, in his kingdom. Jesus is the king. He's going to set up a kingdom, and he is going to reward certain people with responsibilities in the kingdom. And this particular person, he would have authority over 10 cities. I mean, he could have St. Clair, Parkway Village, Anaconda, Lonedale. I mean, he's gonna, have, he's gonna be as responsible for 10 cities, and why? Why, would it be, why is he entrusted with this responsibility? Because he was a servant? No. Because he was faithful with what had been given to him. That's what it says in verse 17. Thou hast been faithful in a very little. I mean, the one, the one talent, the one bit of money he had been given, he was faithful with that. He used it. He took, he took what was given to him. It wasn't a lot. But he took what was given to him and he used it. He faithfully used it. And when the king comes back, he said, I've got a place for you in my kingdom. I'm going to give you responsibility over 10 cities. And then we have the next servant in verse 18. We didn't read this. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, just like he said to the man in verse 17, thou good servant, you've been faithful and so he says in verse 19, Be thou also over five cities. Now, 
He, he was faithful with what he was given. He did what he was told to do. You know, there's so much packed into this when you think about it. And one of the things is the challenge of being consistently, persistently faithful with your task when the master is not around. Right? You know, it's one thing to be busy when somebody's standing over you, watching what you're doing. But the true mark of faithfulness is to continue to do it when no one's looking over your shoulder. And, but you know, God is watching, obviously. But these, these people were faithful. And this guy's going to be over five cities. He's going to be responsible for that. I don't, I don't have an answer to the question that I'm about to present. I don't understand why this doesn't ma- seem to matter to some people. I don't understand that. Why would it not matter that when Jesus comes back, the one who gave himself for us, the one who loved us more than we can imagine, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who redeemed us, the one who changed our life, the one who gave us purpose and life and peace and life, and he's going to come back and he's going to set up a kingdom, and we've served him now all of our lives, some of us, we've served him as faithful and diligent as we really know how. We've served him without seeing him. We've served him by faith, but one day we'll lay eyes on him. One day we'll see him. One day he'll come and we'll see him coming and setting up a kingdom and to think that we will be able to serve him in that kingdom. And for some people, it doesn't seem to really matter. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. But it's going to happen. He's going to set up a kingdom. Well, there's a third of these ten. We only have three reports given. The third one is found in verse 20. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin, I didn't do anything with your pound. I put it in a napkin and I just tucked it away. Now, did he tell him to put it in a napkin and put it away? No. He told him to occupy, use it. It may not be much, but I want you to use it while I'm gone. So he comes to the Lord and he says, I've I've kept it laid up in a napkin. Here's the reason why in verse 21, for I feared thee. Because thou art an austere man. The word austere means severe, serious. I know that you are serious about your work. He says to this nobleman, I know, I know that you're careful and you're serious about your work. And I knew that. So he says, I just, I I hid it. I it says, Thou takest up, in verse 21, that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. So I didn't do anything with it. It seems to me that he's almost blaming the master for what he did not do. I didn't do anything because I was afraid of how s- severely you might judge me. I didn't do anything I was a f- because you're such a... Harsh taskmaster, that's kind of what I read into it. I didn't do anything 
because I was, af- I was afraid of what you might do. And look in verse 22. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. I have those words highlighted in my Bible. Thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? In other words, if you knew I was... By the way, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of reading this and trying to take it verbatim. This, this is a parable Jesus telling, and he's doing it to illustrate himself, how he's going to go away and receive a kingdom and come back. And when he comes back, he's going to ask his servants, what did you do in my absence during the interim when I was gone? And, and somebody's going to say, well, I knew how serious you are about this, and I, just, and, I, and I just didn't know what to do, so I just kept it. And I want to tell you, I believe this, one, one of the things God wants us to know from this is God is serious about his business. We may look at God and think that God doesn't care. We may live our lives while it doesn't really matter how I spend my time. It doesn't really matter the words I use. It doesn't really matter how faithful I am. I want to tell you, it may not matter to you, but it matters to God. I'm not talking about doing good so he will accept you. I'm talking about obeying because he has accepted you. It ma- he's a, you say, well, I just don't believe Jesus is all that interested in details. You don't understand your Bible. He says we're going to give an account for every idle word we speak. That's what the Bible says. We, God is not into carelessness. God is not into us. I know we're under grace and God loves us and I thank God for that. And there's nothing I can do in any, any works all my life to, to merit one measure of God's grace. But I'm telling you, God is interested in details. He's a God of order. He keeps good records. He's always on time. And I think he wants us to pattern our lives after him. And that's not the Jesus that a lot of people are serving, but it's the Jesus of the Bible. He cares about things. And so I believe he is a very serious about his work. And so he says to this man, if you'll continue there with me in verse 23. By the way, just to say, he, he said the least you could have done was take the money and put it in the bank. Now, you wouldn't get much interest in the world that we live in today. But a little bit of interest is worth more than no interest. And doing something is worth much more than doing nothing. And that's what Jesus, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about what we think. It's about Jesus. So look what he says in verse 24. And he said unto them that stood by those that were watching, take from him the pound and give it to him that has 10 pounds. Take the one pound that this man has, the one pound he put in the uh, napkin, the one pound he did nothing with, take that one pound and give it to the one that has 10 pounds. And, And people in our culture would step back and say, that's not fair. That's not fair. I mean, he's only got one pound. You're gonna take the one pound he has and give it to somebody that's already got 10 pounds? That's not fair. Right? 
And he, he explains this. Matter of fact, look what it says in verse 25. And they said unto him, they questioned it, Lord, he had 10 pounds. He's already got 10 pounds. What are you going to give him another pound for? Verse 26, Jesus said, For I say unto you, that everyone which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away. Taken from him, excuse me, taken away from him. He's going to take away that one pound, that one thing. So, so this, this nobleman uh, was pretty serious about this. You know, are you with me tonight? Are you listening? This is a parable about the kingdom. It's a parable about the, the man who, the king who went away to a far country and he's going to be gone for a long time and he gave something to all of his servants and he's going to come back. And what did he, how did he refer to the person who hid it in a napkin and did nothing? What did he say about him? What does it say in your Bible? What did he call him? A wicked servant. A wicked servant. Not a careless servant. Not a foolish servant. A wicked servant. He said, because you did not take what I gave you and use it for its intended purpose, you are, you are a wicked servant. That's something, isn't it? I think it is. Wouldn't it be horrible when Jesus comes back for him to look at any one of us and call us a wicked servant? You say, I don't believe Jesus would use those words. That's who he's talking about. It's about Jesus, right? It's the Jesus of the Bible. It's pretty serious to him. He takes this stuff seriously. Now, he, he reminds us there in uh, verse 27, and I want to get this in before, lest I forget it. But those, but those mine enemies, remember the, remember the enemies? The citizens, they sent word to him while he was gone, said, hey, we know you're gone, but just want you to remember that we don't want your rule in our life. We don't want you reigning over us. Just so you know, when you come back, we're not interested in you telling us what to do. So, verse 27, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. They'd be slain before him. You know, I, if we had the time tonight, and I'm not going to take the time to do it, but there is a similar parable that Jesus teaches, taught in Matthew 25. It's not the same, but it's very similar. And, and in that, he, everyone doesn't have the same amount. He gave one, one talent, and one three, and one five. He gave them different numbers. Same though, the same circumstances, he's going to go away, and then he's going to come back. And he's going to expect an accounting. I'll tell you what, hold your finger right here and just quickly go with me to Mark, I mean to Matthew chapter 25, because there's one thing I do want us to look at in this. There, there's so many similarities. 
Um, verse 14, I'm just going to quickly start before you get there. Matthew 25, 14, the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants, delivered unto them his goods. Verse 15, one he gave five talents, one he gave two talents, one he gave one talents. When he came back, he required an accounting and um, they gave an account of what they did. And down in verse, um, let me find it. Verse 24, the one who had one talent came and he said, I knew you were a hard man. There the word is hard, not austere. And so I was afraid in verse 25, I hid your talent in the earth. Here's the description of the Lord concerning that talent. Thou wicked and slothful servant. You're, you're wicked and lazy. You wouldn't serve me. I gave you, I gave you something to use for me and you didn't use it. And you're wicked and and you're lazy. Strong language, isn't it? I think so too. But here's what I want us to look at together. Verse 28, Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Verse, verse 29, similar, Everyone that hath shall be given. He that hath not shall be taken what he has. But notice verse 30, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Now, I can't tell you for certain uh, what that means, but I'm going to tell you what I think it means. And please listen carefully to this. The one thing that I believe that God gives every man is the opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved. And if you reject and you don't use that one thing, you're going to spend forever separated from God. That's, that's personally what I think that one thing is. God gives everybody at least one thing. And that's the knowledge of our need to be saved. And the knowledge that there is a Savior. So let's go back to Luke chapter 19 and we'll make some applications before we go. These are all lessons about serving in the future kingdom of Christ. And so we're living right now, this very moment, we're living in the time that Jesus described in these two parables. Jesus is coming back. We don't know when he's coming, but he's coming back. And he's not going to return as a Landowner, he's going to become coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. I know a lot of people have this idea about Jesus. He's just a pushover. He doesn't really care. He'll, he'll give you a slide. You can always get over on Jesus. But I'm telling you, you are living in, in a make-believe world if you believe that. He's a good God. He's full of compassion and kindness. But he's serious about his work. And he's coming back. He's coming back to rule and to reign on this earth. He's coming back and you say, well, I, don't, I just don't, I think he's going to rule with kindness. I'm not saying he's unkind, but the Bible says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Is that right? That's what he says. He's serious, he's serious about it. And for a thousand years, everybody on the planet, whether they like it or not, whether they care about him or believe in him, everybody's going to do exactly what he says. 
That's going to be something in it. And I know people may be even sitting here and say, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm telling you, he's going to tell you what to do. Amen. It's going to be wonderful. So this parable is about him coming back. We're in Luke 19. I think that it's more than a coincidence that this teaching in verse 11 follows what is said in verse 10 of Luke 19. If you'd look there, please. Jesus said this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You find that in your Bible? The Son of Man, verse 10, came to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 11, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable. So I think, I think those two things go together. What is it, what is it that, that Jesus is telling us that we ought to be busy about while he's gone. Why did he tell the parable? Because he just said that he came to seek and to save which is lost. And then he talks about how he's going to go away and he expects his servants to be busy about his business in his absence. And I think that's an important thing for us to understand. Listen, the purpose of God, I know I'm, I may be sounding very direct, but I want to be direct tonight. The purpose of God for you and I is not that we live the American dream. That's not the purpose. We may, we may be baptized into that because we're so Americanized, but everybody in the world does not, is not in America, and they're not going to have a chance at the American dream, and the American dream is not why we're here. We're here to influence people for Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. It's not just to raise your babies and have a family and, you know, have a house and get it paid for and retire. No, we're here to reach people with the gospel. That's why Jesus came. And if that purpose is not our purpose, then we have the wrong purpose. Amen. He expects his servants. And if you're saved, you ought to be one of those servants. He expects his servants to be busy about his business while he's gone because he's coming back. We're to, we're to use the resources he's given us. And if you would do an inventory on every person in this room, every person in this room has been given different resources, different opportunities, different talents, different gifts, different financial ability. Everybody in this room has been given something different. So we can't measure ourselves by ourselves. But he's coming to see if we're faithful with what he has given us. And he expects us to use our resources for this purpose of his. So the question is tonight, think about this. Let's just do a personal evaluation right where you sit. Think about it. What am I doing with what God has given me as far as using it for God? What am I doing with it? It's a matter of stewardship. You know, in, in both in Luke 19 and in Matthew 25, when the stewards gave an account to the king when he came back, he said, this is what I've done with your talent. The talents aren't ours. They're his. 
He gave them to us. He gave them to us. Just for one, one example, I would, be, I would be very curious to understand one example. You know, in, in, over during the COVID experience, the taxpayers, I won't say the government gave you because the government doesn't have anything to give you, but the government gave you taxpayer money that we don't have, several different stimuluses, right? I mean, $600 here, Couple of thousand there. You know, where, you say, where'd that come from? It came from the government. And then you can say, well, no, it really came from the taxpayers. But I'll take it a step further. I think it came from God. By that I mean, it came to you. You didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, it came to you. And I wonder if we had to just give an account of how we use that money. Like, like money that dropped out of heaven. Hundreds and thousands, it drops out of heaven right into your checking account. You say, whoa, isn't that a blessing? Isn't that something? And most people in this room got, got some of it. If you didn't get some of it, then you make a lot of money. So I'm not going to ask who didn't get any. Do you think God expects us to use that money for him like he wants us to? Right? Everything we have comes from him. The health you have comes from him. The money you have comes from Him. The job you have comes from Him. The children you have came from Him. The time you have came from Him. You know, He could take your life that fast. The fact that we're here tonight is a gift from God. And you know what all it says? Everything He gives us, He wants us to use for Him. He wants us to use our time the way He wants it used, not the way we want it used. He wants to use our money the way he wants it used. He, want, he gives everybody in this room talents. And this, this ought to be heartbreaking for some people that people have been given spiritual gifts and talents and will live their whole lives and never use them for the glory of God. And I'm telling you, with all my heart, I believe he'll say one day, you wicked servant. That's pretty serious, isn't it? What are you doing with what God has given you? To do. What have we been doing? We're to be occupying until he comes. That means to busy ourselves. Not just be busy, not running here. Not just be so busy you, you meet yourself. Not just busy like that, but busying ourselves in his work. What we do, here's the whole point of the lesson. What we do with what God has given us will determine our service for him in the kingdom. That's what he's teaching us. One guy was faithful. He said, I'm going to give you ten cities. Another guy's faithful. I'm going to give you five cities. And so a person could look at their life now, and I think people, some people do look at their life like this. Well, you know, I, I believe I'm going to heaven. I put my faith in Jesus, and I'm just going to live my life, you know, basically for myself and my family and I'm not going to really get, get serious about the work of God I'm telling you it may, that may go smoothly right now but there's going to be a rude awakening one of these days I believe that with all my heart based on what the Bible says if you, if you think I'm wrong find chapter and verse and come show me where I'm wrong but I think we're going to have a rude awakening we haven't used our resources the way he wants them to be used you know it's an amazing thing to me tonight. Think about this. Just think about this. 
that one day we, as believers who are servants of God, who are using our meager resources the best we can for the glory of God. We're trying to raise our children to love God. We're pouring our lives into our sons and daughters and teaching them the most important thing in life is to love and serve God. Nothing matters more than that. We're teaching them. We're giving our money. We're giving to missions. We're praying for laborers. We're going out witnessing to people. We're giving out gospel tracts. We're servants of God waiting on the king. We're going to serve right alongside Abraham and Isaac, Jacob. We read it this morning. David. We're going to serve right alongside those people. We're going to serve right alongside the Stephens of the New Testament who were martyred for their faith in Christ, the disciples who had their heads cut off, people down through the ages who have been burned at the stake and skinned alive, and they're going to be serving. And we're going to be serving right there with them. And the, those, those during the tribulation period who stood against the beast and the mark of the beast, refused to bow down in worship and had their heads severed from their bodies, we're going to be serving right along with them. And to me, to me, I think we live in this bubble of 21st century American Christianity where we think we've suffered because we had to go to church three times this week or because, you know, you know what I'm saying? I think we need to have a reality check. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be serious Followers obedient to Jesus Christ. I know that serving for rewards in and of itself may not be the most noble reason to serve. We ought to serve the Lord because we love Him, right? But future rewards can serve as like a motivation and incentive. I mean, everybody in here that gets a paycheck once a week or every two weeks... Does that have anything to do with the fact that you're going to go to work in the morning? That has a little bit to do with it, right? And one of these days, he's going to reward us. And I, you say, well, I don't deserve to be rewarded, nor do I, nor any of us. We don't even deserve to serve him. Imagine he would let us serve him. So for those of you tonight who've been using your life, your resources to serve him, be encouraged. Be encouraged. If you've not been using your resources for his purposes, be challenged. Now, I can't tell people what to do, but if I was sitting in this congregation tonight and I haven't been taking serious my responsibility as a steward to use my God-given talents and ability, you say, well, I don't have any talent. I don't want to be argumentative, but you're wrong. God says you've been gifted to serve him. Every one of us have. And if I was sitting here and I haven't been using the resources that I have, the financial resources, the time that I have, the, the gifts and abilities, then let this challenge you to change. Change. 
Get serious about it. You say, well, I've squandered too much time already. Forget about that. Start over. Say, I'm going to, whatever time I have left, if I have a few days or weeks or months, I'm going to get serious about living for God. You know, it's not easy to change behavior. It's not easy to change habits. It's not easy to change your priorities. But listen, we can't afford to stay the same. Be, and be specific. What is it you need to change? What is it you need to change? If you're not, if you're not giving to God, you need to change that. If you're, not, if you're not teaching and training your children, change that. If you're not witnessing to other people, change that. If you're not, if you're not giving the gospel out, change that. You can change. If you're saved, you can change. Don't stay the way you are. Let's none of us stay the way we are. You know, Jesus knew that there would be those who would not want him to reign over them. <clears throat> I ask it this morning, I ask it again. Young person, do you want Jesus to reign over you? Do you want him to run your life? Be honest. If you don't, you fit into this crowd right here. Mom and dad, if you don't want him reigning your life, you fit into this crowd right here. Now, the, those who don't want him running their life are a distinct, different group from those who are his servants. You know how the Bible describes lost people in the book of Ephesians? Children of disobedience. Here's a characteristic of a lost person. They're disobedient to God. They're not really going to follow God. They're not interested in God's will. And, and those, this is really a sad thing to look at, but those who are, do not want him to reign over them will be condemned. Is that right? what the Bible says you say well that's not me I maybe I don't always let him have his way like I should within well, this this change let's change now looking at this whole subject try to conclude right here looking at this whole subject about the future reign of Christ the thousand year reign of Christ it's a wonderful subject I enjoyed this morning's lesson just studying it. It's a wonderful subject. He's coming. He's going to be king. He's going to be king. Amen. No monkey business. None. Zero. And there are going to be a lot of people in this world that aren't saved. They're not going to like it. You weren't, if you weren't here this morning, the Bible says they will be numbered as the sands of the seas that after a thousand years raise up in rebellion against Jesus. They're going to be on, but they're going to obey when he's here. It's going to be wonderful, isn't it? That'd be, I never thought about it. That'd be an entertaining part of the millennium, just watching him tell these wicked, stubborn people what to do and them obeying him. But I'm interested. If there's, if there's something he would have me to know, if there's something he'd have us to know about what criteria he might use to determine if we get to serve with him. I'm interested in knowing that. And that's why I took an additional service tonight to talk about it. And it's, it's clear. He, he will reward faithfulness. Not faithful with what God gave someone else, but faithful with what God gave us. He will look at that and he will say, 
well done. I'm going to make you ruler over whatever. I'm going to make you ruler over rich woods. <laughs> I'm going to say, what? <laughs> Serving him in any capacity would be great, wouldn't it? It'd be great. It'll be great. You say, explain how it's all going to be. I don't know how it's all going to be, but I know it's going to be great. But I know this. We know this. There's no hesitation. There's no question. There's no doubt. The criteria for being rewarded with faith, with service in the kingdom is faithfulness now. Amen. Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful. And if you've, to this point, not been willing to let him reign over you, tonight would be a good night to say, Lord, I want you in my life. I need you. Take a lot of humility. Some people just think they want to do it on their own. I used to think that way. God was so good to bring me down so low that I was willing to say, God, I need you. What a great place to be. Amen? Maybe you're there. Let's bow our heads together, all right? With her heads bowed and her eyes closed. We covered a lot of territory tonight. I hope it's not complicated. How are we going to spend our life? What are we going to do with our lives? Are we going to let our neighbors and Friends determine what we do with our lives, or we'll let God determine. What are you doing with what God has given you? That's the question. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and this subject seems so important to us tonight. We thank you for the privilege of covering these different subjects related to your return. We know you're coming back to set up your kingdom. And we know, Lord, that there's so much about it we don't know. But we're confident that you're going to be looking for your servants and placing them in positions of responsibility and authority in the kingdom. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to serve you now. We want to serve you then. Help us to be faithful with what you've given us. God, would you work in our hearts tonight? I pray that this message would not be forgotten soon. Help us to think about the way we live our lives, the way we use our resources way we use our time the way we serve you with our gifts and talents God help us help us not to procrastinate 